You know, I was thinking about this story of these two guys that were tasked with chopping wood. In fact, there was this young man who was hired by a lumber company, and he was talking all this trash. He was saying, I'm going uh, to chop more wood than any guy on here. I'll challenge anyone um, in the company that I could chop more trees down than any of you guys could in a day. So this older man said, I'll take the challenge. I'll, I'll challenge you. Who could chop the most trees down in one day? And so the young man was telling the old man, oh, I'm going to whoop you. I'm going to beat you. You got no energy. I got all this youthfulness, this vitality. And so the young man takes, takes, takes on the challenge. And they start the day off, and he goes out with his axe, and he begins to chop tree after tree. He's chopping down these trees. And every now and then, he'll look behind him, and he would see the old man sitting down, just holding his axe sitting down. And the young guy was thinking, what is this guy doing? He is going to lose this competition. He's not even trying. Here I am. I'm working hard. I'm chopping trees down. This guy's not even trying. This isn't even a competition. And the young man kept chopping. They get to the end of the day and they counted up the young man's trees. He chopped down 25 trees. When they counted up the old man's trees, he, he chopped down 45 trees. And the young guy said, you cheated. You cheated. I saw you sitting down every hour for at least 10 minutes, taking a break. I was working the entire time. I didn't even take a water break. You cheated. Someone chopped those trees down. He said, no, I didn't cheat. I chopped down every tree. When you thought I was sitting down and you thought it was a waste of time, what I know is this, that if you're going to get the victory, you have to recharge your batteries. And while I was sitting down, recharging and getting rested and getting refueled and refreshed, I was sharpening my axe. And a sharpened axe makes for much more efficient and productive work than toiling the entire time with a dull axe. Here's what Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 says. If the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If you're going to have victory in 2020, you're going to have to sharpen the axe. I don't want to just work hard in 2020. I want to work smart. I want to work from the vantage point of what does God believe is possible for my life? Now, last night I was watching um, the OU game. Rest in peace. <laughs> it was so sad. But I decided to just watch the next game. And the next game was between Clemson and um, Ohio State the Ohio State. And Clemson came back and beat Ohio State. And at the end of the game, they were interviewing the quarterback and the coach, and they just started giving praise to God. I love it when athletes and coaches just start preaching on ESPN and start talking about the scriptures and Bible and start talking about God's goodness. Well, anyways, the quarterback said this. He said, listen, we were playing bad in the beginning. We were losing. Ohio State was winning. In fact, he said, we were playing sloppy, and I knew that we could play better than that. I knew we were sharper than that. How did he know that? He had a clear vision. A clear vision reminds you what you're capable of during tough times. A clear vision reminds you what's possible when it seems like you're looking at things around you and you go, man, I could do better than this. A clear vision reminds you what God is able to do. And he said, in fact, as he's talking to the ESPN reporter, he said, in fact, on my arm, I have Ephesians 3.20. And he starts preaching on TV. He goes, I don't know if you know what Ephesians 3.20 says, but it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, hope, dream, or imagine, according to the power, ESPN, that is at work within us. He said, I had to remind myself what was possible. And he said, once our team realized that we are better than this, somebody say, I'm better than this. 
See, God doesn't want you to repeat 2019 into 2020. He wants you to go further. He wants you to go faster. He wants you to get better. He wants you to be better spiritually. He wants you to be better relationally. He wants you to be better professionally. He says, that, listen, God is not a God of defeat, and God is not a God who takes us backwards. God is not a blind God. God is not a God with impaired vision. God has clear vision for your life. He says, I know the plans I have for you, Paul. I know the plans I have for you, John. I know you might have walked through some pain in 2019, but I've got greater things for you in 2020. I'm not taking you from defeat and to defeat. I'm taking you from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Now to him who is able to do more. Everybody say more. So let me tell you right now, if you're going to have a year of victory in this next year, you've got to get a vision of faith, a vision of hope. A sharpened axe is a sharpened vision. Everybody say, sharpen your vision. Sharpen your vision. Proverbs 29, 18 has a lot to say about vision. And I love these translations. It says, without prophetic vision, people abandon restraint. Without prophetic vision. What do glasses do? Glasses help you to see better. And there's certain lenses, there's certain glasses that actually help you to see further and then help you to see what's up close, help you to be able to focus, to see things with sharpness. 2020 vision is the ability to see with sharpness and clarity and acuteness. But here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to get you into a cloudy state to try to block the prophetic vision that God has for you. Go back to Proverbs 2019. Um, without prophetic vision, people abandon restraint. In other words, they have no plans. They have no boundaries. They live without any restraint in their life. But those who obey the law, by the way, the law of the Lord He's not talking about necessarily the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the precepts, the principles, the concepts, the understanding of what God says, how God says you should treat people, how God says you should handle your money, how God says you should view your giants, how God says you should view your circumstances, how God says you should view yourself. When you obey God's word, when you get your vision in alignment with God's vision, all of a sudden your life becomes a lot more happier and a lot more successful and you step into your victory. Here's another translation. With, where there is no vision, people perish. When people don't have vision, they die. They die in their, in their dreams. They die in their hopes. Some of you in 2019, you started off with vision, but then things happened. Things happened that just kind of started to block you. I, I need some help for a moment. Daniel, will you stand up here? And Jeremy, will you stand up here? Give these guys a big hand. Okay, so Daniel, you're going to represent all of us in the room that are looking towards the year with vision. Jeremy, you're going to represent everything that's blocking that vision. You're a good guy. But just in this illustration, you're going to be the block. So I want you to stand right in front of Daniel and block what he's trying to see down there. Now, let's make this real. Daniel, grab your phone. You got your phone? Okay. Anytime you're trying to look ahead at what God has for your life. The enemy, if he can't get inside you, he will try to block what's on the outside of you. He will try to make things cloudy for you. And oftentimes, especially in 2019, now going into 2020, he will use technology to try to blur your vision. The quickest way to kill appreciation about your life is comparison. So as soon as Daniel is thinking about his future, he's reading his Bible, he goes, man, I'm getting a little bored. I wonder what's going on in the Instagram world. So he pulls up Instagram, and all of a sudden he pulls up Jeremy's life. And he's going, oh man, Jeremy, Jeremy had great vacation. Jeremy, Jeremy had a good Christmas. Jeremy's got new clothes. Man, Jeremy's having fun. Jeremy's getting everything he, he asked for. It's like God's answering all of Jeremy's prayers. And what's happening? It's clouding his vision. 
It's blocking him from being able to see what God has from the quickest way to kill vision in your life is comparison. The quickest way to kill thankfulness for what God is doing in your life is to compare your life to Jeremy's life, to someone else's life. I wonder what's blocking your vision. Maybe it's not comparison. Maybe it's just fear. Maybe it's just fear about the future, fear that God's not going to show up. Throughout the Old Testament, there would be people who would be facing difficult things. Like when the Israelites were facing Goliath, it says out of fear, they ran from their giant. And oftentimes, something is trying to block us. Like last Sunday, there was a fog in Tulsa. How many of y'all remember the fog that was here? It was very thick. We have pictures of it. One of the guys in our church took his drone and showed a picture of the sunset above the fog. It's a beautiful sunset. Beautiful sunset. But you didn't see the sunset if you were under the fog. And I was thinking about how I was preaching out of town last week. When we came back into town, we were flying in, beautiful sunset. We land, and I can't see anything. We get in my mother-in-law's car, my father-in-law's car, and we're driving down the road. We can't even see 10 feet in front of us. The fog was so thick. In fact, as we were driving, we noticed all of a sudden there would be a person on the side of the road, a construction worker working. We couldn't see him until we were right there. And this is what the enemy does. He blocks you from seeing even the good things that God is doing around you. Like good things were happening in the city last week, but you couldn't even see it because of the fog. Good things are happening in this church. Good things are happening in your family. Good things are happening in your life. The fact that you're here is proof that God has been good to you. But when you are comparing your life or when you're afraid about the future or when you're living with shame because of past mistakes, it's blocking your 2020 vision. It's blocking your ability to see the victory. But here's what happens. When we sharpen the axe, when we take time to dig in God's word and see what he says about our life, when we take time to pray and hear from God, when we take time to really quiet down all the noise, all the chaos, all of a sudden, those things get out of the way. Thank you, Jeremy. And all of a sudden, God says, if you only knew what I had in front of you. Like with, with the quarterback last night, he said, once I reminded myself of the vision, I started playing with better clarity. The sharper the vision the better the decisions you make. The sharper the vision, the sharper the precision on the things that God's calling you to do. Thank you, Daniel. I was thinking about how so many of us in this room are dealing with a fog right now. So many of us are dealing with a fog. And maybe it's a brain fog. This last week as I was studying vision and I was looking at what helps us to break some of the impairments that are trying to mess with our vision, what helps us to be able to see clearly, there was over a million articles on brain fog. How people in this, in this past year, millennials, Generation Z, uh, boomer generation, all ages are dealing with brain fog. doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. And I was looking at it. It was like 10 ways to deal with brain fog, 12 ways to break free of brain fog. And the whole thing was that people are losing the sharpness they once had to be able to think clearly, to be able to stay in a conversation long enough. Even at work, you're trying to work and you don't have the sharpness that you once had. And here's what I hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, church. It's time to get your authority back. It's time to get your sharpness back. It's time to get your dominion back. It's time to get your productivity back. It's time to get your attention back. Somebody say, put your hand on your mind and say, I'm getting my mind back, getting my clarity back, getting my vision back, getting my victory back. You've got to get the vision inside you before you see it as a reality. In Matthew chapter 9, there was a woman who had been struggling with an issue of bleeding. She was hemorrhaging blood on the daily basis. She was dying daily. And she went to doctors. She went to everyone. 
Some of you have been to everything and everyone to try to fix something that only God can fix. You've gone to sex, you've gone to pornography, you've gone to uh, 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 marijuana, you've gone to everything. And some of, some of the stuff you've gone to is not bad stuff. It's just not curing you. For her, she had gone to all these doctors and none of them could cure the problem that was going on inside of her. She was dying. And your vision affects your voice. So she was just saying, man, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. Until one day something changed. What changed in her didn't happen because someone said something to her. It happened because she had a revelation. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, there is no hope for the future. But when there is revelation, there is a vision and there's a voice of hope. She had a revelation. Look at Matthew 9. As she found out that Jesus was coming to town, she came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak. Now, why would this woman do this? Who's dying? Because she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. That's a vision. Everybody say vision. She got a vision of healing. God wants to give you a vision for your marriage, a vision for your family, a vision for your finances. God wants to heal your financial situation right now. God wants you to be debt-free in 2020. God wants you to prosper in 2020. God wants you to be a blessing to your neighborhood. God wants you to pay for an entire school in Oklahoma to have presents next year at Christmas. God wants you to send 20 people on mission trips next year. God wants you to be the head and not the tail. God wants you to be above and not beneath. God wants you to be the lender and not the borrower. The question is, what is the vision that you are speaking over yourself. What, what, go back to that last verse. She said to herself, who did she say it to? She didn't say it to her family because her family probably kept telling her, you're dying, you're dying, you're dying, you're just going to die. This, this cancer is going to kill you. you. You only got six months left. She didn't say it to the doctor. She didn't say it to... Until you start, no matter what people say to you, until you start saying it to yourself, it'll never change. People can tell you you're pretty, but if you keep telling yourself, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, it'll never, there, there will never be enough affirmation on Instagram to set you free from insecurity. You have to get a personal revelation that I am a child of God. I am valuable. I am wonderfully and fearfully made. I have 20-20 vision. I can see what God sees. I am made in his image. I have victory in my future. My past is redeemed. He has set me free by the blood of the lamb, by the word of my testimony. I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to have victory over everything the enemy has been whispering in my heart from the past years. Come on, somebody give God praise this morning. She said to herself, she said to herself, the amplified version says it like this. She kept saying to herself, there's power in repetition. There's power in repetition. She kept saying to herself, she kept talking to herself. Some of y'all need to start talking to yourself more. And all are like, I don't want to be known as the crazy guy. You're crazy if you don't talk to yourself. You got other voices in your head. You might as well take dominion over those other voices and stop letting the enemy whisper a vision statement over your life. The enemy has a vision statement for you, by the way. He has a vision statement. His vision statement is to steal from you to kill every dream that's inside you and to destroy the plan and the purpose God has for you. He has a vision statement. It's, it's loud and clear on Satan Incorporation, whatever that is. 
He's got his vision statement. He's got his mission statement. He's after you. He's after your future. He's after your seed. He's after your dreams. He wants to stop you from prospering. He wants to stop you from being joyful. He wants to keep you depressed. He wants to keep you addicted, afflicted, oppressed. But I hear the Holy Spirit saying 2020 is about to be a breakthrough in your life. 2020, things are about to shift and change. At some point, she broke free of the lies of the enemy. And she kept saying to herself, once I touch Jesus, everything's going to be restored stored in my life. Once I get to Jesus, I'm going to have restoration in my body, in my mind, in my spirit, in my brain. I'm getting out of this fog. I'm getting out of this sickness. I'm getting out of this chaos. I'm getting free of this confusion. I'm getting restoration. As soon as I get to church, as soon as I get into the presence of God, things are going to change in my life. I will live and not die. And I will declare the works of the Lord. What was she doing? She was speaking vision over her life. You will be next year where you are speaking over yourself today. What you say over today will affect where you end up tomorrow. So if you keep telling yourself, man, I'm just, I'm so discouraged. I'm so depressed. I'm so anxious. I'm so stressed. I'm so lonely. I'm so overwhelmed. Nobody likes me. I'm just mad and I'm confused and it's foggy. You keep talking like that. You're going to keep walking like that. But as soon as you shift the narrative and say, no, no, no. I have a clear mind. I have the mind of Christ. I put on the helmet of salvation. I take authority over every thought that is trying to mess with the thoughts that God thinks about me. And I put on the breastplate of righteousness that guards my heart against every impurity, against all unholiness. I thank you that I am in right standing with God. And I put on the belt of truth. I'm tired of putting on the belt of lies. I'm tired of letting lies hold up my pants. I want the truth of God holding me up. And I'm putting on the shoes of peace. Everywhere I go, I'm walking. Once you start taking dominion and authority over your life, here's what happened. Once she touched Jesus, everything changed. She was restored to complete health because she got a vision. Everybody said, get a vision. Get a 2020 vision of where God wants to take you. And doctors say this, neurologists say this, that it takes 21 days to break a bad habit. 21 days. 21 days. In the Bible, there was a man named Daniel who for 21 days changed what he ate, and he spent time praying and fasting, and in 21 days, he got a breakthrough in his life. Doctors say it takes 21 days of repetition to see a breakthrough. We're going to start off this new year in January with a 21-day time of prayer and fasting. I'm going for it. If you want to go for it, I'm inviting you to do it with me. You say, well, what is that all about? I'm glad you asked. That's what I'm going to spend the rest of the sermon talking about. Because if you want a 2020 victory, there are certain things that only happen through prayer and fasting. If you want to see a breakthrough, you've got to have spiritual disciplines that are patterns and repetitions in your life. If you think repetition is boring, then you won't see the results that you want to see. Repetition is the key to success. And I'm talking about repetition in the right disciplines. So let's go to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah verse, um, chapter 1, verse 1. There's this guy in the Old Testament who needs a victory in his life. He needs a 2020 victory because he knows if I get this victory, Israel gets this victory. By the way, if you get this victory over that addiction in your life, your family gets the victory. Your house gets the victory. Your neighborhood gets the victory. If your company gets the victory in the finances, your state gets the victory. Your na- this doesn't just affect you. This affects all the people God's called you to help, all the people God's called you to employ, all the people God's called you to influence and reach. And I'm looking at a church of influencers. I'm looking at a church that's ready to change the world. Come on, where's the world changers at? There you go. It starts, it starts with you. You can't change the world if you can't change you. 
So the change has to happen in you. This is what we see. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, these are the words of Nehemiah. I love that right there. He's the one who's talking, and he wants you to know, this is how I view my story. I'm not letting someone else give their perspective about what happened. I'm going to describe what happened in my life. And the first four words he writes are, it came to pass. Thank God 2019 came to pass. Thank God 2019 did not come to stay. It came to pass. Thank you, next. How many are thankful that 2019 is coming to an end? How many have walked through some pain in 2019? How many have walked through some good things in 2019? You're like, man, it's been good. I could camp out here. Let's build a museum. Let's just camp out in 2019. God's saying, I've got greater for you in 2020. Don't be afraid to step into what's new because you're so married to what's been old. Old, like new wine cannot fit in old wineskins. God's saying, I've got new wine. I've got new things I want to do for you. But you have to have a revelation that this year came to pass. It came to teach you a lesson. It came to give you an education. But it is not a permanent destination for your life. Don't stay in the past. It's time to move forward. Learn from it, but don't live in it. Like on your phone, your phone tells you when it's got too much storage and there's no room for anything new. So it's saying you've got to delete some stuff if you want to make, if you want to save that picture or even take that picture. Like there's times where my phone's like, you can't even take a picture because your phone is too full. You have to buy more iCloud space. Apple keeps stealing my money. But here's what I'm saying. If I'm going to have room for new memories in my family, new memories to look at, then I've got to delete some old stuff. You heard of the show Hoarders, where people just hoard stuff, and there's a cleaner that comes in and says, you don't need these old boxes of trash anymore. You have 51 cats over here. Let's take some of these cats, and let's bring them over here. Like the Holy Spirit's trying to come in your life and go, I know you really are holding on to the shameful mistakes and the cuss words you said and the thoughts you thought and the rejection that she showed you and how they didn't like you and that church did you wrong and that pastor didn't shake your hand and they didn't respond to your email and you're angry because your coworkers got that. But the Holy Spirit's coming in saying, I want to do some new things in 20. 2020. And I can't do it if you're still holding on to all of this storage. We got to clear some stuff out. There's some stuff that just came to pass. Everybody say, let it go. Come on, Elsa, let it go. Let it pass. Step into the unknown. It's time for the new thing God has for you. But watch what happens. Nehemiah says, all right, I'm telling you it came to pass because what you're about to hear next is really painful. He said, if I'm honest, I wish this book was just happy the whole way through. But the first chapter is not easy. What you're about to hear is pretty painful. Some of you, this would be a des- description of 2019. So let's, let's go to verse 3. The man tells Nehemiah, his friend says, Nehemiah, you need to know that the survivors who are left, in other words, some of your friends died, and the ones who are left, you probably don't even know them. They came out of the captivity. They've been through some bad things. And now they're in great distress. There's depression in our nation. There's division in our nation. People are at odds with each other. People are angry. There's stress. There's just this overwhelming fear about the future. And there's humiliation. People are just feeling embarrassed. There's this reproach. There's this shame from their own sins, from their own mistakes. And the wall of Jerusalem has also been broken down. There's some things that were once intact There were some marriages that were once intact and and they've been broken 
down and the gates have been burned. There was some relationships that got burned this year. There were some dreams. There were some things, some expectations that got lost in the fire. And what, what do you do when you hear a negative report? What do you do when you get to the end of the year and you're closing the books and you're wrapping it all up? How do you view the negative things in your life? How do you move past it? Some of us in the room, we would sweep it under the rug and say, well, I'm just going to be happy, happy, happy. I'm doing fine. I don't need prayer. I don't need to deal with it. I'm not going to grieve about it. I'm just going to move on. Some of us in this room, we would camp out in the sadness and say, Paul, I don't even know how to move past verse three. I can't, I can't, I'm just stuck in what didn't work out. I'm just stuck in the misery of what happened to my life this year. I love how Nehemiah responds to it. When he, go, when he hears the pain of what his nation, what his family, what his people have walked through, it says in verse four, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. Did you know mourning and grieving is part of the process towards healing? Did you guys ever see the movie Inside Out? With the cartoon and, and the, all the emotions inside of the, the girl's mind. And there's this combat between happiness and grief. Joy and grief. And joy is so mad at grief. Joy is saying, we don't need you. Get your grief out of here. Get your sadness. We just need to be happy, 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 happy all the time. By the end of the movie, happiness and grief are working together. Because what she realizes is it requires truly grieving something to step into true joy. You can live with fake happiness. You can fake it till you make it. But there is a true joy. Even the Bible gives us an entire book on grief called the book of Lamentations. And, and it's not meant for us to get stuck there. Like, like, let's not let our faces get stuck in the book of Lamentations. Like, I'm just stuck in Lamentations. But we've got to take time to really grieve and say, man, I lost some stuff. I went through some stuff. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. I'm, I'm bringing it out before you, God. Nehemiah took time to, to mourn. Have you took time to mourn what you lost this year? No, Paul, I don't, I don't even want to look at that. It's, 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 it's painful. I don't even want to think about that. It's painful. But in order for you to step into the victory God has for you, you've got to be able to pull those stones out. And those stones don't come out by sweeping it under the rug. Those stones come out. A healed heart is one of the greatest things that we can live with. What good is it to succeed externally while we are destroyed internally because we can't let go of the pain we walk through. To let it go, you've got to grieve it. And that's what Nehemiah did. He grieved, but I love what he did at the end. It says, and I fasted and I prayed. I was fasting and I was praying. I was fasting and I was praying. Did you know every time there was a breakthrough in the Old Testament, almost every time it came from prayer and fasting. When Esther had to walk before the king to stand on behalf of the Jews so there would not be a genocide of the Jews, so there would not be an, a holocaust during her time, it says she prayed and she fasted. When Joshua was believing for a breakthrough, he spent time in prayer and in fasting. When, when, when Jehoshaphat was believing for a breakthrough. It was prayer and it was fasting. When the disciples were believing for a breakthrough in the book of Acts, it was prayer and it was fasting. If you want to see a victory in your future, it's going to come from prayer and fasting. Now, the world knows what prayer is. Even unbelievers know what prayer is. But very few people know what fasting is. Fasting is abstaining from something that your body craves. Almost always, it's from food. But for some of you in this room, you need to fast some video games for a season. Like this girl came up to me last night. She said, Palm, I'm a vegetarian. I don't know if I'm going to fast like sugar or meats because I don't, I don't even eat that. So what should I fast? I said, well, what is your body? What do you crave? She's like, I love video games. 
said, you probably need to give the video games a break. She said, what? Why did I tell you this? <laughs> no, she didn't say that. But she was like, aw, but I love my video games. I said, what if, what if for 21 days? Fasting is less about abstaining and more about replacing. It's less about saying, oh, I can't play video games. It's more about, you know what? Instead of video games for 21 days, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read through Psalms and Proverbs and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And I'm going to pick out a devotional from the Victor Bookstore. And I'm going to download some podcasts on my phone. And I'm going to feed my spirit, man. It's less about abstaining and more about replacing. I believe that God has greater things for you. But you won't know what those greater things are if you repeat what you did last year. You've got to change the mechanism. As Nehemiah began to pray and fast, what happens in the book of Nehemiah is miraculous. Now, listen, the dead don't come back to life. The blind eyes aren't open. Deaf ears aren't open. But a nation is revived. It is a relaunch for Israel. It is a reset. And what should have taken 10 years happens in 52 days. And if you read the book of Nehemiah, you might miss the miraculous if you're searching for the spectacular. But what God does through him and through these thousands of Jews that come together in perfect harmony and perfect unity and work together and build together, even while the enemy's coming against them, it is incredible. But you might miss the secret sauce, the recipe that led to his success. Because Nehemiah would go out and he would have favor with his king. He would get paid while he was gone for a long time. How many would like to get paid while you go and do what you want to do? And the boss says, hey, I'm going to pay you. You just go and work on the dream that's in your heart. He had favor with his boss. He had favor with coworkers. He had wisdom. He had clarity. He had uh, the ability to lead people that didn't even know him. And they followed him. He had courage. He had confidence. He had victory over his enemies. And it all came from prayer and fasting. Now, let me tell you what prayer and fasting does. Are you ready for some notes? All right, lean in here. Prayer and fasting clears the spiritual, mental, and emotional fog. I want you to just make some noise for a second. Just shout, scream, boo at me. Just give me some boos. Here's what happens while you're doing that. Here's what happens in our lives. When all the chaos is going on, when people are booing you, when you're going through things that are frustrating, when the enemy's whispering lies, when you pray and when you tell your body, body, I'm not going to let you win today. I am not eating that cake at midnight tonight. I'm not drinking that Mountain Dew for the next 21 days. Instead of thinking about what I'm going to not have, I'm going to replace those things with a time of prayer and studying God's word. Here's what happens. It clears the fog. It helps me to see with clarity. I'm able to think. I'm able to feel. Secondly, prayer and fasting helps me to respond with divine guidance. Remember what Proverbs 29, 18 says, without divine guidance, people run wild. It helps me respond with divine guidance and not just react in my own understanding. Some of us have spent 2019 reacting to every situation instead of getting a response that is filled with divine direction from God. And before you send that email, before you send that text, before you walk out of that service, before you change churches, before you change decisions, before you do whatever you want to do, let me tell you something. If you don't have divine guidance, you might be walking out on the very thing that God says, that's where your victory was. That's where I was going to do that. Like, don't make a decision without God's guidance. You say, well, how do I get God's guidance, Paul? I need him to give it to me quick. Come on, can he just be a microwave? No, he's a crock pot. And you've got to wait for it. And what prayer and fasting does is it slows you down. And that is good for America. 
Because we are busy, 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 busy. And we are foggy, 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 foggy. And we need to get vision for 2020. Prayer and fasting helps me to respond. Prayer and fasting brings focus to what really matters. Here's what prayer and fasting does. When I'm praying, by the way, prayer is just in connection with God. And when I'm fasting, when I'm giving up something that my body craves, it reminds me what's eternal. So while I'm, while I'm scrolling through Instagram, getting all bent out of shape over temporary things, God's like, that's not that important. What's really important is the eternal matters that I have for your life. Here's also what prayer and fasting does. Um, it helps me to release unnecessary baggage. Some of us are slow right now. We're sluggish because we're carrying too much weight. We're carrying things we shouldn't be carrying. We're carrying wounds and stones and hurts from what people have done and said to us. This past year, I was with a group of our staff members, and we were just taking some time to reflect on what God has done. And we were near a body of water, and one of the guys said, let's all pick up a stone, and let's throw it into the water. But before we do, let's tell the stone what it represents. And all of us were like, all right, that sounds like a good, good exercise. So I looked at the stone, and I said, this stone represents every negative thing that has happened to me this year, every negative thing that has happened to me, and every negative thing that I've done. Y'all are like, what have you done? None of your business. What have you done? Come on, let's talk about what you've done. Don't put me, why, why is everyone looking at me right now? You're the guy on the stage, okay, all right. But I told that stone, I am not holding on to you anymore. And I threw that thing into the water. And I said, I am done. I am done. I am done. Some of us in this room, we need to release some things we've been holding on to. The enemy is holding you back. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us run this race with endurance. You can't run when you're holding on to all the weights, all the hurts, all the wounds of what people have done, all the mistakes, the shame, what you shoulda, coulda, woulda done. You gotta let it go. Prayer and fasting, next point. Prayer and fasting produces courage that God is with you, he's for you, and he wants to show you favor. What prayer and fasting does is it, it, it helps me to believe in God more. Ultimately, if I could just sum up prayer, let's sum up prayer. Prayer is connecting with God. It is connecting with God. It's, it's having this connection that God is able to do what he says in his word he's able to do. Prayer connects us with God. Here's what fasting does. If I could sum up fasting, I'm just gonna keep going fast here, and I want the keys to come up. Fasting disconnects us from the world. So when I take time to fast, I'm dis some of us have just gotten too much of the world inside of us. We've been listening to it. We've been watching it. We've been meditating on it. We've been sitting in conversations we should have walked out of. We've been consuming so much news and information, and we got CNN on, and we got YouTube on, and we got all these things on, and, and it's just overloading us. And what fasting does is it just disconnects us from the world. And while we're fasting and praying, it reconnects us to God. Now, some of us in this room need a major victory in 2020. How many of you need a major victory in 2020 in a specific area of your life? Maybe it's freedom from a bad habit. Maybe it's healing in a relationship. Maybe it's healing in your body. Maybe it's a promotion, a job, something. I don't know what it is, but all of us need a victory at some point in our life. This is what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 17. His disciples were talking to him, and there was this man who came to him in verse 14. 
And, 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 and the man came to him and said, um, will you, in verse 15, will you heal my son? For he's an epileptic and he suffers severely and he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Your version might say, he is demon possessed. He keeps having these convulsions, he's demon possessed. So I brought him to your disciples, that's us, the church, but they could not cure him. They could not cast out this demon. They couldn't break this stronghold. Some of us have strongholds that need to be broken. And in order to get that stronghold broken, Jesus is gonna speak to us here. So Jesus tells his church, I want the other translation. If we have the other translation, he says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Oh, unbelieving. Everybody say unbelieving and perverse. Now let's define that. Unbelieving means disconnected from God. When you're not believing, you're not connected to God. Perverse means you're too connected to the world. So Jesus tells his church, you're unbelieving, means you don't believe in God's power. You're not connected right now to, and he's talking to Peter. Y'all are like, I thought Peter was pretty good. I mean, like St. Peter, like, didn't he say Jesus is the Christ, the son of God? And like, didn't, wasn't Peter one of the best disciples? And he was talking to John. He was talking to Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas. He was talking to all these guys. He says, oh, faithless church and perverted church. Y'all are like, ouch. Why is Jesus rebuking his church? Because he wants his church to grow up. He wants his church to get better. He wants his church to get healed. He wants his church to move with faith. He wants his church to operate in the miraculous. He wants his church to have an appetite for the supernatural. He wants his church to start believing on a higher level. He wants his church to start walking in 2020 victory. He wants his church strong and not anemic. He wants his church full of faith, full of hope, full of life, full of love. But he says, in order for you to get there, I've got to rebuke you first and a rebuke from someone who loves you is better than flattery from someone who hates you I would rather my brother or my mother or my grandmother come to me and say Paul you're wrong than this than someone who hates me and go oh you're so right I, I don't want flatter. I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to get stronger. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better dad I want to be a better pastor so I've got to receive the rebuke everybody say receive the rebuke so he's talking to me, he's talking to you. He says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Now Jesus is, he sounds harsh, but he's saying, I have more for you. Let's graduate past this. When, he, when they bring the boy to him, the child was cured. Jesus casted the demon out. That very hour he was cured. Now watch what happens in verse 19. His church comes up to him, his disciples, and they say, oh, how come we couldn't break that stronghold? How, how come... How come I tried in 2019 to get free from that addiction? How come I tried to change my mindset? How come I'm still dealing with lack? How come I'm still dealing with this torment? How come my house is still so strifle? How come I started the year off with a vision statement and goals and I did everything? I was at the gym every day. I worked hard, I changed my diet, I did this, I did that, but I'm still dealing with some demonic strongholds in my life. I'm still dealing with some, some bondages. Jesus says, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So the cure to unbelief and perversion, remember, unbelief is to disconnect from God. What is prayer? Go back to prayer. Prayer connects us to God. The cure to unbelief is prayer. 
when I'm praying, I'm reconnecting to the power of God. I'm reconnecting to the ability of God. I'm reconnecting to my hope in God. What is perversion? It's being too much into the world, too connected to God. Here's what fasting does to perversion. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Fasting breaks the perversion off of our minds and souls. So when I pray and when I fast, I start operating with the dominion and authority I have. Now, can you guys hang with me for like six more minutes? If you can't, God bless you. But I think this is really good. This last part is my favorite part. You and I are a three-part being. We are a triune being. Trees are just one part. They just have a body. They don't have a soul. They don't have a spirit. I like trees, but trees aren't going to heaven unless God plants his own trees up there. Animals are a two-part being. They have a body. They have a soul, which is like a, a, a mind and ability to think and feel. But you and I are three parts. We have body. We have soul. We have spirit. My body connects me to myself. What does that mean? That means I feel my appetite. When you fast, you're going to feel it. First few days are very tough. I'm saying this because if you take me on this challenge and you say, man, I'm going to do that church fast with Paul. And by the way, we're going to start doing this every year. At the start of the year, we're going to tithe the first part of our year to God through prayer and fasting. 21 days. You could choose what day you want to start in January. I'm probably going to start on January 1st, and I'm going to go to January 21st. But here's what I'm going to do. When I fast, it affects my body. My body is connected to myself. My, I feel when, when someone steps on my toe, I feel it up here. Uh, when, when, my, when my appetite is hungry, I can feel it. It, it. it affects my body. My soul is connected to others. So what does that mean? That means I feel it when someone hurts me, when someone rejects me, when someone leaves me, when someone says, I don't like you anymore, you're not my pastor, whatever. All of that stuff, it affects my soul. For some of us, we need a soul fast, meaning we need to fast that which has been affecting our soul. By the way, at, at any point, one of these is gonna be the, domin the dominating um, factor in your life. Like when your soul is taking the authority over the body and spirit, how does that happen? When you get depressed, it affects your appetite. You're like, I don't even wanna eat right now. Or I just wanna eat whatever I want because my soul is unhappy because she doesn't like me anymore. He left me. She did this to me. They hurt me. They betrayed me. When your soul is in authority, it affects your body. It affects your spirit. When your body is in authority, your body's like, I don't care what my spirit's telling me. I'm going to sleep with her. I'm going to do this. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to eat this cake at 1 a.m. I'm going to drink this 10-pack of Mountain Dews. <laughs> you know, your body just like doesn't care what your spirit or soul's thinking. But your spirit is what connects you to God. And when your spirit, this is Romans chapter 8, when your spirit is in submission to God, what prayer and fasting does is it brings your spirit in submission. When the spirit is in submission to God, Romans 8 says it has authority. It is no longer controlled by the flesh. It is no longer controlled by the emotions. It is no longer controlled by what your feelings are telling you to do. So this is a year that we're going to start off with victory in our spirit so that we can have victory over our body and victory over our soul. And here's what I want to end with. Three things to do before you fast, before you go into 2020. Three things to do. Number one, set your objective. What do, what do you want to see God do in 2020? While I'm fasting, here's what I'm doing. I'm setting an objective for my fast, for my time of prayer and fasting. During my fast, I'm declaring my dependence on God. I'm saying, God, I'm depending on you this year. I'm not depending on people. I'm not depending on Instagram. I'm not depending on my job. I'm not depending on a salary. I'm not depending on relationships. I'm not depending on this or that. I'm depending on you. During my fast, I'm asking for forgiveness. 
I'm letting God do a detox. Just cleanse me of any unrighteousness. I'm refocusing on what is eternal. I'm inviting the presence of God in my master bedroom, in our kitchen, in my office, in my kids' room. I want the presence of God to saturate my life. I'm telling you this, when you come to victory, the presence of God in 2020 is gonna go to a higher level in this church. We're about to see a greater manifestation of God's presence in this church. When you come here, the one description I want you to say about the services is, wow, that church, the presence of God is so strong in that house. No wonder they had 5,700 people get healed last year. 217,000 people get saved. I wonder what God has in store for what's next. The presence of God is going to saturate this place. That is what I'm fasting for. That's what I'm praying for, that the presence of God is going to show up in your business in your families, in your marriages, in your dreams. I'm believing God for answers to specific needs for Ashley and I, for Liam, for Benaya, for Mac, for Ellie. So you got to set your objective. Number two, I want, to, I want you to choose what kind of fast you will do. Some of y'all are like, wait, why are you assuming that I'm doing this fast? Because I'm just believing that some of you need to do this. Now, don't be legalistic with it. Some of you maybe choose seven days of no sugar, seven days of no video, of no movies, no Disney Plus, no uh, uh, Netflix, and then seven days of no social media. The bottom line, it's, it's not about what you're fasting, it's about what you're doing during your fast. It's about saying no to that which your body craves, that which your soul craves. I gotta be on social media, I gotta do that, I gotta go see movies, I gotta watch sports, I gotta do this, I gotta have that, I gotta drink this, I gotta eat that. Develop what type of fast you will do. And you say, well, Paul, can you do this for me? I need a babysitter to fix all my needs. Fit. No, I'm telling you to take personal responsibility of your spiritual maturity this year. And I'm challenging you to develop that fast. Number three, here's the last point. Expect results. Expect God to move in your life. As we close out today, I want you to look at Isaiah 58. This week, I dare you to read the whole chapter. It's a great chapter on prayer and fasting. What, what can you expect when you spend time seeking God, seeking God's heart? When you pray and fast, your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will appear. That's the first result you can expect. I'm gonna get healed. You're gonna get healing in marriage, healing in your mind, healing in your heart. Your light's gonna break forth. Healing's gonna appear. Your righteousness will go before you. What does that mean? You're gonna be in right standing with God. When God looks at you, he's gonna see his son, Jesus Christ. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord is going to be your rear guard. In other words, God's got your back and God's got your front. And he's going to surround you with favor all around. And in verse 9, he says this, when you call on me, I will answer you. When you cry out for help, you're going to get God's help. Will you stand your feet all over this place today? Here's what's going to happen. As you start sharpening the ax through prayer, through fasting, through getting in line, in alignment with God's vision. I was looking at this yesterday. What does it take to sharpen an axe? They say to sharpen an axe, you need oil and you need a stone. You need oil and you need a stone. You need oil and you need a stone. And I was thinking that's kind of what prayer and fasting is. Prayer connects me to the presence of God. The stone is what fasting, it's chiseling away any of the rough edges is saying, come on, 
You can do better than that. God's got greater things for you. Don't get stuck in that depression. Don't let that anxiety stay. Don't let that bondage, that addiction, that bad habit stay. And what happens is it starts sharpening your axe for what God has in store for you. You're going to see your greatest victory yet in 2020. But you've got to spend time in prayer and in fasting, sharpening the axe for what God has in store. Do you receive that word this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? I want to do an altar call today for anyone who needs to lay down some baggage. Before we go into this next year, I want to challenge you this last Sunday of 2019 to just lay it all out there, to just bring it before God, before you rush out of here to go eat at a restaurant, to go see a movie, to go watch a football game, just to come down to the altar and say, God, I surrender. God, I'm giving you the disappointments, the discouragement. I'm giving you the success. God, I'm giving you the year. And Lord, I'm releasing the wounds, the hurts, the shame, the shoulda, coulda, woulda. God, I'm coming before you and I'm allowing you to cleanse my spirit, my mind before I enter this next year. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you will not harden your hearts, but if you will seek God and bring it before him, if you need to do that, if, if you just need God to bring some healing and some change in your life before this next year begins, if there's some things you just need to release to God, I want you to raise your hand all over this room. The Holy Spirit was speaking to you through the message the whole time that that's you. There's some things you need to let go. There's some things you need to just say, God, I'm letting this go. I'm releasing this to you. If you raised your hand or you want to raise your hand, just leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar right now. Just bring 2019 to the altar. Just say, I am not carrying with this with me into 2020. I am not holding on to these things. I am not going to hold 2019 hostage any longer. I am letting it go. I am choosing to surrender this to God. I want to get a clear vision for what God has for me. And so I am letting go of the hurts, the unmet expectations. I'm letting go even of the prideful feelings that I have about my success. I'm choosing to trust that God did it, that God has greater things for me in the future. Now, as they're coming down, there's a second group here today. And you need to surrender to God. You're saying, man, I'm not right with God. I've been in sin. I've been doing things I shouldn't do. I've been thinking things I shouldn't think. I've been in the world too much. And I need a detox. I need to surrender and let Jesus Christ be Lord of my life. If that's you, raise your hand. Today's your day to say, I'm choosing to receive Christ as my Savior. I'm choosing to repent of my sins. Just come down to the altar. If you raised your hand, come and join us at this altar. We're going to take a few minutes to just worship God right here at the altar. We're going to finish 2019 with a sense of worship and surrender to say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you with my past and I'm trusting you with my future. Lord, I'm trusting that you're working all things together for good. God, I'm letting go of that which I cannot change. And I'm grabbing hold, God, of the new vision that you have for me in this new year. Go ahead, Sam. Let's go into this worship song.
Some of us are coming to the end of the year. And if you were to look back on this year and imagine it's like a beach right next to the ocean. And you say, man, I, I, at the start of the year, I saw two sets of footprints. I knew God was with me. But these last 20 steps, it's like I only see one set of footprints. And I hear God saying, that's because that's where I lifted you up and carried you. You wouldn't be at the end of this year if I had not lifted you up and carried you when you were too tired. When I was a kid, our family used to go on road trips and I'd fall asleep in the back of my mom's van. Mom and dad would go preach and bring us with them or they'd go somewhere and bring us with them. I'd fall asleep. The next day I'd wake up in my bed and I'd come into the kitchen and I'd say, how did I get here? My dad would laugh and say, I carried you when you were too tired. I carried you when you, you were too tired to even crawl. You couldn't even get out of the van. I unbuckled the seatbelt. I lifted you when you were exhausted. You, I, I carried you when you were too weak. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, just like I carried you through 2019, I'm gonna carry you in 2020. But I'm getting ready to, re some of you have been pulled back. You've been beaten back. You've been pushed back. The enemy's tried to demote you, deter you, discourage you, depress you, overwhelm you, and you just get pulled back. And I hear God say, it's like a slingshot. I'm getting ready to launch you. I'm getting ready to catapult you. I'm getting ready to relaunch you. I'm getting ready to reset you. I'm getting ready to propel you into what I have for you. Lord, I just pray over every man in this room right now who has struggled with depression and discouragement. I, I pray for every man who has struggled with addictions. Lord, I thank you that at the start of 2020, as we set time aside, I pray for every woman in this room who has struggled in her soul and her emotions. It, it's been ruling even her body, it's been ruling her spirit. But in 2020, there's about to be a victory in her emotions, a victory in her mind, a victory in her body, a victory in her spirit. I pray for every single man, single woman in the room. Lord, I pray for those who've given up hope on finding the right person, those who've lost vision and, 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 and stopped dreaming about what you wanna do in their future marriage and with children, those who've lost hope on believing for miracles. God, that today, you're just washing away the discouragement. You're just breaking off the muck. You're just sharpening the ax. You're giving them a vision of faith again. Lord, that we're gonna go into 2020 with a clear vision of hope and with faith. Just say this with me, Jesus, I surrender to you. I thank you for a vision of victory in every area in my life. I will see the victory. God, I believe that you are not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and it will be for your glory. You will use my life to impact others for your kingdom come, your will to be done. So God, I repent of sin and I allow you to be not just my savior, but my Lord. I'm submitting to your word. Lord, I'm all yours. Have your way in my life. In Jesus name, amen and amen. I love you. God bless you. Happy New Year.